Hey guys, welcome to Bag and Boardcast, episode number 467. I am Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we're looking forward to coming out January 19th, 2022. I don't remember how you did it, so that's I don't. I don't remember either. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we read in December 2021. It's our monthly look back. Yes, and uh, don't worry, folks. We cut some books, too. Yes, so we did. There's one book per per podcaster. And guys, I'm so happy that Dry Your Wear is finally over. We can all drink again. Man, that is a long month, that Dry Your Wear. And That's why you just don't do it. Yeah. But, Paul, we're all drinking the same beer, thanks to you, bud. So uh, why don't you tell us what we all got here? Yeah, uh, you know, as is a Christmas uh, tradition, it, you know, we kind of send each other beer. And, um, you know, I really like, I live near 42 North. Well, closest than anybody else. <laughs> Not near it, but, you know, close enough. Like, it's about 15, 20 minutes away from my house. Four, get on the 400. I'm right off the 219. Yeah. Jump on the four hundred. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah, yeah, you're close. To, you're close to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. It shouldn't take that long to get there. No, 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 no. you good. Okay. I thought you were checking out my math. Uh, so I went down to Fort North, to North and picked up uh, four different beers, four different four packs, and uh, split it amongst ourselves. Uh, sent these down to Chris. Uh, stopped at work to, uh, where John was working, dropped off uh, one of each to him. And we're starting off with 42 North Barrel Aged Goza with dark cherry and currants uh, called Life's a Barrel of Cherries. And this is only uh, 4.5% alcohol by volume. And cherries and cranberry. And cranberry? Or... Oh, cranberry, yeah. yeah. Dark cherries and cranberry. What, what did I say? Current? You said currants. I don't know how I read currants when it distinctly says cranberries there, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, what kind of barrel is this aged in? Does Chardonnay. Mm. Chardonnay. Okay, I'm kind of getting that now because I didn't read the side of it. Um, spoilers: I did have one of these after Paul had sent them out to me a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, and you know I split all of these, but they were just kind of like enjoyment drinking. I didn't like sit there and ponder things too much. Like we didn't talk about it. It's just kind of like one of those. Hey, what do you think of it? Uh, I I really like this. And this is only 4.5% ABV. Yeah. It has a very whiny, you know, now that you say it's Chardonnay, it does have a very whiny kind of flavor. It's a, like a carbonated wine. It's, it is weird. And you get a lot of tartness from that cranberry. And the uh, it's got kind of that acidic sour. Um, it, it's good. It, it's taken me a good five sips on it to really get acclimated to it. Um, <clears throat> Cause like those first couple sips, like it was like, Oh, this isn't bad. And then on the back, I was getting that uh, acidic tart. And now I've finally like gotten used to it and I like it more than I did my first couple sips. Um, but yeah, this is nice. It's got, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it's got a lot going on. It's kind of that mm-hmm. acidic tart with that whiny overtones. Because I don't really get the vanilla. No. Um, but this is in the realm of the beers. The sours that I've had from them are all that traditional, real 
Belgian style sours. They're mm-hmm. not just adding um, adding some funky yeast to it, doing a kettle sour, and then super fruiting it with fruit puree that it's just thick and tart. This is mouthfeel very thin. Mm-hmm. It's very old school, traditional style. And it's nice for that style of sour. It's very nice. Yeah, it's very drinkable. Um, we only have a couple beers that we'll be doing tonight since it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. But I have no problem like taking my time sipping this one until we wind up doing the second beer. Yeah, yeah. I do have to say, I, I do enjoy from Fortington North their other sour series uh, a lot more. That halt who goes there. I, you know, anything in that line, I've, I've enjoyed a little bit more than this. And that one is kind of like a bridge between this style and that super fruity yeah. style. And the super fruited, I'm kind of done with. Those uh, smoothie, I, smoothie sours are just like. I yeah. love those ones. Yeah, they're, I don't know. they're in like they're. In, that's I don't that's wanna, my go-to. I want it. I as don't want to drink. I want to. I don't want to drink a. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to drink a ton of them, but I do like drinking them. I think um, the novelty of them and laughing about how goofy and how insane they are is more fun than the actual drinking a whole sixteen-ounce can. Like after the first three ounces, I'm kind of done with them. Um, but yeah, like. We had talked about drinking all of the beers, and I was like, guys, that's a, it's going to be a lot. Especially, <laughs> like, like this beer I want to sit and savor. Red Army, I want to sit mm-hmm. and savor. I don't want to just be, like, a lot of times we're like, okay, pound it. Let's get to the next one. Or I have, like, glasses lined up next to me that I'm like, okay, uh, I'll take some more of this, and I'll do some of this. And so we're going to do the, the two here. Uh, depending on where we're at, I might grab something else to drink to finish off the night. But yeah, I, got, I have other stuff that I could grab if we just something to yeah. sit and drink while we're wrapping up. Yeah, but, I, can, I can always go into the hard alcohol. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the show, I made myself a mixed drink last night. Uh, it was blackberry moonshine, apple whiskey. Fireball and uh, ginger beer. Okay, tasted like burning. Gets you drunk though, guys. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. It's really good. Also, gets you drunk. Um, I had a gingy and high end bourbon the other night, and it was good. I just had some uh, basil Hayden bourbon with a splash oh, of uh, I love basil. Uh, Contro in it. So you know, just that orange. You know, yeah. so it's the most lazy. Uh, old fashioned. old fashioned because you know the, the control is so s- sweet. You know, it, I don't need any yeah. simple syrup uh, in it, and so it's like the lazy man's uh, old fashioned, but it works. Yeah, I I had ginger ale and a ten year old. Uh, I want to uh, Elijah Elijah uh, uh, Craig Craig. Yeah, <laughs> nice, delicious, delicious. nice, gotcha. All right. And well, hey, while we're talking about drinking, uh, why don't you all lift your glass to America's favorite dad, America's funniest home videos host, uh, Bob Saget, also voice of the father on How I Met Your Mother. Uh, that wasn't actually Ted. Cool. Uh, but yeah, Bob Saget passed away a couple days ago. And it was weird because John sent the message to me 
And like, I had literally seen like the news article someone shared about it on Facebook, like right before that. And I was like, okay, well, my initial thought when I saw it on the Facebook feed was like, us could be like yeah. a, like a hoax or like faux death because like, we see those a lot. Uh, but then like more and more, uh, reports of it started coming in. And that was really sad. Uh, Full House has always been one of my go-to just like comfort watches. Hmm. Um, especially even when Fuller House was starting to come out over on Netflix, it felt like going home again. Like, yes, still super cheesy, just updated for the current times we're in. And I don't know, this one, I'm sadder about this than I was Betty White the other week, but... I, I don't I don't know how to feel about it because I'm kind of I don't it doesn't feel real I guess I don't know because I, I grew I grew up watching Full House more than I did something like Golden Girls so it's mm-hmm. waiting for it to like kind of like sink in and I don't think it's going to happen until I sit down to watch like the next season of Fuller House which I still haven't finished yet I think it's more surprising than it is sad. You know, with versus Betty White. Like, Betty White, we're all sad, you, you kind of sad about it, it. But, yeah, you knew it was coming. Like, I mean, she was 99. Yeah, and she, that week, people published her, the article of talking to her about turning 100. And everybody's like, oh, she played everybody one last time. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, with, yeah, Bob Saget, it's just like, man, he was 65. And he just started a tour. A national yeah. comedy tour. Like, that was his first night. He did the show, went back to Orlando hotel room, and then passed away. And Like, yeah, I hate the, you know, the news feed things that, you know, pop up on my timeline. Like, autopsy completed on Bob Saget. And then you click on it, and it's like, yeah, they did it. It'll be a couple <laughs> days, it'll be 10 to 12 days before they say any, they actually have any, like, the test come back and i'm like why did you even bother me with this then well they said it wasn't they could tell that it wasn't drug and it wasn't that somebody did something to him oh, it was like it was a, it was David a heart attack or yeah if it came back and it was a heart attack or something he didn't know about aneurysm stroke and whatever you know like that they don't they won't know but they can rule out foul play and drug overdose. Well, it's all the cleaning supplies in the system from being Danny Tanner. All Danny those Tanner. Years. I was going to say, it's all those uh, Baby Loves Head Rub videos that he had to introduce. <laughs> uh, and a little bit brighter news and, you know, new beginnings. Uh, guys, filming is now underway for the upcoming Batgirl movie starring Leslie Grace. And we're starting to get our first kind of like snapshot pictures taken from the sets and scenes. Uh, guys, I have a section here I'm calling Batgirl Rumors Ahoy. Wait, wait because there's a boat involved? No, it's oh. just... Because a lot of stuff's starting to come out. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of this stuff, so let me know if Nothing. I'm just going to be rambling for a minute. Yeah, ramble yeah. away. Uh, I haven't seen anything. But apparently on set, someone was moving around a graffitied wall that has, like, spray paint version of Batman and Robin on it. So now people are assuming, like, that Robin does exist in this universe. Um, there's been an actor on set with Leslie Grace. His name is, I want to say it's, like, Ethan Hahn. I can't remember. Uh, 
But people are supposing he's going to be Dick Grayson in this, and then this is going to be kind of like a backdoor pilot almost for a Nightwing movie because uh, him and Leslie Grace's Batgirl are canoodling, mm-hmm. like walking down the street, kissing each other. Woohoo! Kisses! Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know how I feel about Dick Grayson being introduced in a Batgirl movie. I would like to see things kind of fleshed out a little bit more, but who knows? Maybe we'll try to kind of like segue into some of that stuff. Uh, with her history and his history maybe tying together. Let him be a love interest and get a spinoff, man. That's fine. It's 2022, Chris. Let hey, the guy. We can, get a, we can get a Nightwing. Yeah. Come on. I mean, we can get a Nightwing, but... I, Shut up. My biggest fear is I don't want this to be, like, Amazing Spider-Man 2, where they're just like, okay, we're going to try to springboard everything off of this movie, because uh, on set there's also magazine and newspaper racks that are calling out like the court of the owls. So people are supposing they're going to be in the background of this. Um, also like Vicky Vale references, but I think that might just be kind of like a fun little nod and wink mm-hmm. with like her name on a magazine cover. Um, I'm excited to see how this goes, but I'm also afraid that they might be trying to do a little bit too much too soon, especially because rumors are also flying that this movie is still going to have, the Michael Keaton Batman in it, but is he still in that universe, or is this like he's just Batman in this universe too? Or is it like or he's, a sequel, or is he now the Batman of the multiverse? Like, which like it also seem, that seems like too much though, like too much too quick though. I don't necessarily need to have a huge multiverse DC universe when like I'm just getting introduced to Batgirl for the same time. It seems a lot to shoehorn into this. And J.K. Simmons is Commissioner Gordon in the. It's he's listed as Commissioner Gordon in this movie as well, which that's he's Commissioner Gordon in the Snyderverse. So he's also J. Jonah Jameson. So really breaking the multiverse here, guys. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting of, of how they're going to do it. Are they gonna? Oh, it's Warner Brothers. They're going to screw it up. I, Don't worry. I bring up uh, Jonah Jameson, though, because they could try to go the route where it's like, oh, well, it's the same actor playing the same character, different universe, different take mm-hmm. on it. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm i hoping for the best, but I fear the worst. And I think that's kind of the rallying cry I have for a lot of the DC Universe stuff right I now, because even... Flash, I'm very apprehensive about. Well, fact, especially like, the only one I'm really looking forward to, uh, the Batman and Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Like, that's kind of it for me. And I mean, the Flash movie, you have like two or three different Flashes in that working together with Michael Keaton Batman, Ben Affleck Batman. So it's like. Hey, it's cool that you guys are finally doing this, but you guys know that uh, Spider-Man just came out, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they did it probably better. Well, they, I'm afraid that that's what they're going to try to go for because now Spider-Man: Far From Home, or sorry, No Way Home, is sitting at like 1.6 billion dollars. So yeah. now, without I think opening that's in re- China, with, without China, 
I, I feel like that's going to light that fire again for a lot of the studios that are like, guys, we got to do that shared universe. Bring back the dark universe. Let's 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 get it going again, guys. But yeah. Spider Man worked because they kept it all secret, and it was something that they had built and worked for. And that's the thing is like Warner Brothers doesn't want to put the time in. They want to put the movie out and just have people have to jump into it or set it up so poorly that you don't care. I really didn't feel like there was much work in the huge crossover for <clears throat> Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, but and granted we had ma- the movies. You we know? had the we had those movies, but now just think if the first Spider-Man movie that Marvel and Sony had done together was Spider-Man Far From Home. Like no we didn't home. have all those... I keep saying Far From Home. I don't know why. No Way Home. Imagine we didn't have Homecoming or Far From Home or Civil War. Like It was just, hey, here's our new Spider-Man movie, and it's Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in it. Yeah, and we would feel like, okay, then why am I hanging with the Tom Holland? Like, why not give me a... So wait, oh, okay, cool. We're going to get our Spider-Man. Like, half the people are there waiting for their Spider-Man to show up. <laughs> And I, I feel like Marvel and Sony did yeah. earn it at that point because they just didn't shoehorn everything. It wasn't until that like third and you know final air quotes movie that we finally got that great power, great responsibility moment from Aunt May, and it hit harder because of that. And that was kind of one of the things that we championed too with the beginning with Homecoming and Civil War. It's like no, they didn't have to lean into those Spider-Man tropes like they were doing something different. And it paid off. It paid off huge. I mean, $1.6 billion. Like, it's like the 10th highest grossing motion picture of all time now. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is it's not, a Spider-Man movie. In the pandemic. Yeah. And it and it's not just, that's not just one per like, one person going to see it once. Mm-hmm. It's a person going to see it multiple times. Probably with friends who are like, oh, you saw it with you. Oh, Paul, you saw it with Chris. Do you mind seeing it with me and you and I going and then going like, hey, Chris, uh, oh, we just bought comic books and had a beer at Pizza Plant. Uh, what do you want to do now? I don't know. You want to see Avengers again? Yeah, okay. Because that's what Chris and I did. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not one person buying one ticket. It's a family of four buying uh, tickets for all of themselves and also that two-year-old. I'm Paul's always going to be experience. sour about that. That's mm. okay. I mean, you're drinking sour beer, be sour about <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, no, they're just point, a movie we, theater experience. I'm done. Normally at this point, we'd probably be cracking another beer. But hey, since we're still sipping on our barrel of cherries and currants, uh, <laughs> let's... <laughs> Well, I, the thing is, I didn't question it when Paul said currants because I did see there was like something else listed on the can, and it wasn't until John called it out that I'm like, "Oh yeah, it says cranberry." But guys, uh, while we head into the list and talk about the books that we're most excited for coming out January nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Yeah, guys, I'm excited for motorcycles to pass by. I know, me too. I'm excited for them to be down the street already. Oh, I'm so excited for Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. the sensational She-Hulk, to pick up those motorcycles and slam them down and say, Exhibit A! <laughs> because she's actually in the courtroom the entire time. Uh, I so like a goofy... Why'd she grab the motorcycles? Because they were part of the... 
evidence. Did she grab him from the street? Yeah, she brought him in. Uh, and used it as, uh, as evidence in the, in her court case. Mm. Because they don't have positive traction. You see? And so there's mm. no way that that, the tire could have went in, could have went up the, jumped the curve and made those tracks. Anyways, you're looking forward to She Hulk book fall. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was just going to keep on cycling down that rabbit hole. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Uh, she Hulk is back. This isn't a savage She Hulk. This looks like a more, Goofy She-Hulk. The cover art looked like it was Mike Allred, but it's not. It's uh, Jen Bartle, and it's being uh, written by Rainbow Rowell. Rowell? Uh, Roll. Rowell? Roll? Rainbow Rowell. Yeah. Rowell. Rowell. Rainbow Rowell. Uh, she's actually writing Runaways currently. Yeah. Which I've been thoroughly enjoying. Oh, good. Uh, so I'm hoping it's more of that goofy, fun She-Hulk that I got from the Dan Slot era for She-Hulk. It is $4, so that'll be interesting. And, of course, it comes with, uh, like, 17 different uh, variant covers for some reason, because that's that's a thing uh, that Marvel does for their number ones. So let's, uh, let's see what happens. They say the last page on this book will uh, take She-Hulk Jen down a road she's never tra- traveled and shake up her life and possibly the whole Marvel Universe. It must be taking motorcycles in the courtroom. Yeah. That's a new road. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to a number one from Marvel as well, Paul. Mm. And this is X Lives of Wolverine number one. But I think the X might stand for 10 Lives of Wolverine. Mm. Mm. It, worked, it worked better when you did it before we were recorded. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Uh uh, but this seems like a Wolverine greatest hits, all the different incarnations that you've had of Wolverine. Uh, Patch, Weapon X, when he was in the military. That, who knows exactly what this is going to go down. This has 15 different covers, Paul. <sighs> Actually, I think 16. 16 covers. Mm-hmm. And this is written by Jim, Benjamin Percy and Joshua... Kasara uh, on art, mm. and um, I don't know. I really like those. What was it like? The last days of Wolverine, which was kind of a fun greatest hits of Wolverine. I'm looking for another, uh, hopefully fun, well, greatest hits of Wolverine kind of a thing. Hmm. Um, I remember one year you dressed up as Patch for Halloween. That was fun. Yeah, it was an easy costume. <laughs> So didn't, oh. didn't work as well because I I, wore, I didn't have contacts at the time, so I had glasses with an eye patch on, and then I was like, "Oh, this is really making me sick. I'm just going to take this off." <laughs> and then I was just a guy in a suit, green claws. Uh, just a heads up. Ooh. So it mm-hmm. starts with uh, the X Lives of Wolverine number one, and then it continues in X Deaths of Wolverine number one, and then it jumps back to X Lives. Of Wolverine number two, Ooh. which then continues in X Deaths of Wolverine number two. Um, Is it the same writer? Yes, it's the same story. It's literally bouncing back and forth between two series. So you have to buy one and then one, and then you have to buy two and then two and then three and then three. So it's the same series, just that you're getting two number ones out of it. Yes, one's life and one's death. 
Well, uh, let's uh, well let's see what this first one is about, and uh, if it's good enough to check out the second, maybe it might actually just be good to pick up both of them to have the conversation on the podcast when yeah, we read them for a little bit. That's that's the thing that we like to do. Mm-hmm. And Chris, what are you picking up? Uh, I'm actually picking up a sequel to a book that came out about 16 years ago. Uh, from Image Comics, written by Kurt Busiek with art by Carlos Pacheco. This is Aerosmith behind Enemy Lines number one. Uh, the first Aerosmith series came out in 2004, actually. Holy crap. Um, and it was a fantasy take on World War One, where airmen literally have dragons that they fly around with. Uh, they're casting spells, they're using protective magic, in addition to machine guns and their biplanes. Uh, we're getting more Fletcher Aerosmith, and now he's on a mission behind enemy lines. It's the title of the book. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we read the trade paperback for Volume 1, So Smart in Their Fine Uniforms, years ago on the show. I'm sure the episode's over here, somewhere where you can find it. Just search for Aerosmith. Uh, not the band, but A-R-R-O-W-S-M-I-T-H. If you want to try to find that one, I don't have an episode number, but it's a fantastic book. Uh, absolutely gorgeous artwork. Uh, if you're not sure who Carlos Pacheco is, he actually did the Green Lantern uh, series after Rebirth with Jeff John. So if you remember that kind of stark, like crisp, clean, bright artwork, uh, that was Carlos Pacheco. So, yeah, definitely amped up for this one. So we'll be talking about this one alongside the X-Lives of Wolverine. Nice. And now, right? Yeah. yeah. And now, a dramatic reading from Star Wars Life Day 2021. <laughs> A life day miracle, indeed. (laughs) And that was a dramatic reading from Star Wars Life Day 2021, Issue 1, page 11, panel 1. That was a stupid fucking book. (laughs) Guys, I think that's the perfect time to get us into our main segment. That's right, we're reviewing some comics that came out in December. We all picked one book. Not on purpose. Not planned. <laughs> Just... No, I, I picked more, but I actually I took them off the list of things to read. So well, as did for... I. Thank you, guys. Uh, but can we uh, uh, let's crack into this next beer? And that beer that we cracked open is the Stout Town uh, American Stout. This is a uh, stout that was brewed at Forty Two North, and apparently there was like a South Towns. On September 29th, five breweries represented uh, representing the Western New York South Towns gathered to brew a beer in celebration of Western New York Craft Beer uh, Brewery Week. Uh, so it, they had First Line Brewery, which is down in East Aurora as well. Um, 1927, who I don't know. Um, 42 North, Hamburg Brewery, and Rusty, Rusty Nickel. Uh, I don't know if they all collaborated on this together or they all just brewed their own. But um, this is the one for 42 North. And this is a 5.8% alcohol by volume. Very roasted, very toasty stout. 
I, it's, a little hop bitter to it. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, there's a little nice little hoppiness to it. If you were to tell me this was a like a smoked porter, I would be like, yeah, this is smoked yeah. porter. It's the roasty smoky on it is big. It's yeah. almost like uh as as producer Scott would say, like you spilled your stout into an ashtray and then drank it out of the ashtray. This is very reminiscent of the wrestle. I would say, yeah. yeah. The, the Irish, the one from Ireland. Uh, is, that, is it Porterhouse or Porterhouse? Porterhouse. Porterhouse. I remember because they had like the caps that like you have like to pull the tab on. Because uh, yeah, we drank we drank those with Randy. Yeah, we drank those a lot. It was a really good beer. It is a really it was. good. Beer. This is something unexpected. When I was seeing an American <clears throat> style stout, I was thinking, yo, something like easy drinking. But somehow still rich, not this overly smoky roasted stout. But what do you guys think? Like I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, whether or not I like it. I like the aftertaste. I like how it just really lingers on your tongue. Mm-hmm. But every sip is like a pow hit of that smoky roasty, and then. It dissipates, and you're like, that is pretty good. I, I think I'm going to go in for another sip, and then pow, gets you again. I, I really like this because this is not the kind of stout that I've been drinking. Uh, usually, again, I live down in Orlando, Florida. Like Our winter was two weeks long where it got down to 60 degrees one day, and then two days later it was back up to 80. Um, I don't go towards like big, roasty, or dry stouts. Usually if I'm picking up a stout, it's going to be like a milk stout from one of my local favorite breweries. Like I'll pick it up, I'll have it at the brewery, or I might send a couple to you guys. But it's not something I just kind of like sit there and like ever really savor. And I don't ever pick up this style of stout because it's just not the thing that I want to drink here. So I don't want this to sound negative at all, Paul. Um, So having to sit here and be like forced to drink it for the show... (laughs) Again, I don't want that to sound negative. You don't want it to I, sound like I, I really negative, like our, because or what, like our temperature here this, in Buffalo. This would not be my my choice of beer or even like a stout to drink right now because this isn't something that I gravitate towards to currently. Uh, I used to drink a lot more porters and stouts living up in Buffalo and then in Grand Rapids because those types of beer are just better to drink in like that more cool temperate climate like down here ipas all day and i used to not be that person but also now i'm drinking a lot more sours and then we've talked about it briefly before too i'm just getting into more like pilsners and stuff because i just want something that i can pick up crush and be like okay now i'm not gonna die from dehydration Uh, and this is not that beer you cannot just sit down and crush this because it's real big just black coffee roasted and it just coats your tongue but there's that nice little like multi like sweetness that kind of coats it like at the back end i i really enjoy it yeah this is a beer that sticks to your ribs (laughs) you know it's like it it is just staying on my yeah, tongue. Like between sips, it's there. 
Um, yeah. Usually if I'm drinking a stout, it's been aged in bourbon barrels. Like it's yeah. not often that <clears throat> I just get a stout that's a stout. Mm-hmm. And especially a low ABV stout like this. All this yeah, Usually, all this flavor for five point eight percent alcohol. This is the more that we're t- you guys are talking about it, the more I'm sipping on it, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm really, really enjoying this beer. And like you said, too, this is a collaboration between five Western New York breweries and South Towns breweries. Again, the beer's called the Stout Towns. So I'm wondering what everybody kind of brought to the table for it. Like if each brewery was responsible for maybe like bringing like a malt or the hop or something, or if like they literally all just sat down together and like, okay, what's a beer we could make for, you know, those bitter cold Buffalo Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. Again, not something I would normally just pick up on my own. Like, if I saw this just on the shelf at my beer store, I probably would have walked past it looking for something a little bit lighter. Or, again, like John said, like barrel aged because I want more of that just like big flavor pop to it. Like, why would I buy just a stout when I can get a chocolate? Chili cheese stout. But drinking this, it makes me want to eat a s'more, like, so bad. <laughs> like, having something so sweet. Um, like, and, you know, then having this with that roastedness still on it to, like, kind of play with that roasted uh, marshmallow, but also to cut through the sweetness. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it, so I'm going to try to do some quick Google foo while I'm... John's uh, thinking about what I said or just blanked out because I was, I'm not sure. At, at no, my, I was listening. Okay. I, at my beer store, there was a Boulevard beer that had almost like an Oreo look to it, where it was like chocolate and stuff of legend. It's a barrel aged stout with vanilla and chocolate. Um, it's something I thought about picking up, but I wasn't 100% sure. I was going to look into it a little bit more. Have you guys heard anything about this? No? no, I don't. We don't get much Boulevard beers. It's like Tank Seven and Tank Seven, and then the one, the barrel aged Quad. Oh, are pretty yeah. much the only things we get. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't know. I might pick it up just to <laughs> to have on one of the upcoming episodes. But guys, we got some comic books to talk about. And Paul, you brought all this wonderful beer to the table, so thank you for that. Uh, what book did you bring to the table, though, as we head into our main topic, our uh, movie look back for December? I brought Star Wars Life Day 2021, number one. Uh, this is a, guys, you know, it's an anthology book. I can't pass by an anthology book. Did this not book. expect this to be an anthology book when I, I first thought, started I, reading it. Oh, I knew right away. I thought right away it was going to be, you know, really? The framing uh, sequence, uh, which is basically Han and Chewie hanging out, of course, at the uh, Batu because you know <clears throat> it's a Star Wars comic book synergy. Synergy. They got to have to park in there somehow, like our Spire Outpost. But what was interesting, it was uh, co-written by Kelvin Scott, who is wrote uh, two of the three Star Wars High Republic books. He's uh, also doing the High Republic comic. Mm. As well. And then we get a story called Deck the Halls, uh, 
this is all written by committee, it looks like. Uh, Jul- uh, Justinia, Justina, Ireland, uh, Jorge, uh, Genti, Victor, Osbad. Well, they don't break it down by, you know, artists and, yeah, writers. So I'm getting a little confused there as well. Uh, Jorge Genti is the artist because he also did the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic. Uh, that came out from Dark Horse. It was like the season nine book. Okay, so maybe it's not all written by committee. Okay. It might just be the artist, colorist, and things, but it's not like being... They're just like, bye. So, so everybody's involved. Uh, paid on delivery. But what about that Phil Noto cover? It, it is very uh, on brand. It's very uh, on, on yeah. model for... That's definitely... Han Solo, a.k.a. Uh, why am I blanking on the actor? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. And, and Chewbacca. Like, and classic Chewbacca, too. Like, uh, episode four, Chewbacca. You know? With those lips. Yes. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> hmm? <laughs> what? Look, this, look at them lips. And the nose. The right. Chewbacca episode four. He's got those real kissable lips. <laughs> You don't, you don't want to kiss that those lips? <laughs> you don't want to fall asleep in Chewbacca's you can, arms? You can, rip, you can tear my arms off. Just leave my lips for the kisses. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I didn't see this very first page that kind of breaks down what everything is. Like, I literally just, like, jumped into it mm-hmm. uh, with Han, like, being shot at. I'm kind of upset that they just have it... Uh, credited as framing sequence by like i'm surprised they're just not like titling that life day <laughs> just like yeah like life day on bat two or something mm-hmm. it's just because again i'm not buying into some grand illusion like i know i'm reading a comic book but it just comes like oh you're just calling it the framing sequence okay mm-hmm. but it also does the great thing of the first scene having that laser fight and then he's like Four hours ago, I didn't know that I was going to be in a fight. I was just coming here with Chewbacca. Boy, I missed the Millennium Falcon. Uh, I will say, I do appreciate the fact that the artwork actually is of Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios. Because if you go into Ogus Cantina, it looks just like that door. Like, the sign on the side's the exact same thing. So, Mm. no, kudos for that. Paul, did reading this book make you more excited to go to Batu? It didn't make me more excited. It just made me a little bit more like, oh, is everything just good? When I'm on Batu, will I feel like I'm just being marketed to? Like, it made me a little nervous. <laughs> like, that it, it's almost like Disney and Mar- is now using Marvel's comic to be like, try to uh, kind of uh, quash the whole, like, uh, fan kind of like, oh, what well, we shouldn't have got back to. We should have got a, a world that we already knew. So now they're just like, oh, just fuck about two and everything, and then people will know it. <laughs> uh, I I agree. And look forward to the Star Wars High Republic Halcyon Legacy yeah. <laughs> comic book that we'll be talking about in January. Uh, synergy. Because even when we read the one comic, which was like, what, the about two days or what it was. The, like Tales from Batu or whatever it was. Like, 
Yeah, it was like Tales from the Outpost or something. Yeah, like and, and like they mentioned Ronto Raps, I'm like, ugh, a little tough, a little tough. So this is all about Oga, and I'm like, I'm excited to go to Oga's. Um, I don't need any more hype. Thank you. I, I will say, being in Galaxy's Edge isn't as heavy-handed as the comic seems. I didn't even think about all that shitty comics that I've read when yeah. I was there. I was just like, oh, I fucking love this. Do you feel like you're in Star Wars, or do you feel like you're in the shitty comic version of being marketed oh, you feel like you're Star in, Wars? You feel like okay. you're in Star Wars. Because okay. right now... Right when you walk in, you're like, oh, this is an amusement park uh, uh, Star Wars land. Because you walk in, and there's like... An X-Wing, an A-Fighter, and it's just kind of, they're just kind of stationed there for pictures, and there's nothing really around there. And then you walk through a tunnel, and you're like, oh, uh, no, I'm in fucking Star Wars. I do feel like you were just trying to get my goat by saying A-Fighter. <laughs> A-Wing, A-Wing. That's the A-Fighters. Um, I do, Paul's, Paul turned his camera to show his A-Wing, uh, Lego that he has on his bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a picture next to that A fighter. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't mind the. I'm gonna A fight you sequence. later. <laughs> um, I I like how Han's written in this. The arts. It's not like one for one, like photo reference, but looking at Han and Chewie, you can tell who who they are. Um, and then it jumps into. Like the first of the anthology stories, and I'm like, oh, like we're getting some High Republic, which I was kind of excited for because I have been enjoying my dalliances into the High Republic uh, publishing imprint. Um, so I like seeing this universe, but everything about this kind of made me realize how little I care about Life Day. <laughs> Right, And I have watched the Star Wars Holiday Special. If you want to, it is on YouTube. You can watch it for free. The only thing it's going to cost is your time. And a little piece and of your a little, soul. And a little bit of self-respect. Um, and this story and everything else that we kind of see in this just makes me not care about Life Day. Because at no point are we told like the meaning of Life Day. It's like, Life Day is important. Mm-hmm. Wookies love uh, their fucking life day. Like, I, I you gonna say, take away, very, gonna take away life day? No, don't do that. Wookie centric. It's life day. Like, it's about it, family, orbs. harmony, and peace. <laughs> Glowing orbs. Paul, Paul, what do you think about the lips on this page? Go, check out the Wookie lips on this one. <laughs> yeah, that that page. Uh, not 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 original trilogy. Not original. Uh, okay. not, I'm. Not as kissable lips. They're not that kissable. That's how you know. Uh, I don't mind this High Republic tie-in because we do see these plant aliens in the actual comic book. Um, And in the second book. Yeah, we were having a side conversation about a quiz that Paul found on StarWars.com where it's like, hey, which High Republic villain are you? And... I was just excited to maybe see a character that I haven't seen before because for how much they talk about these characters in the books and like the short stories and the comics, a lot of them I haven't seen and I need that kind of like visual cue. So I know (laughs) who I'm reading about and talking about. So I like them deepening 
that well of storytelling through the story. Is it a great story? No. 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 It, it ends with the dramatic reading that John did where it's a bunch of Wookiees shooting at, like, plant spores that the two Jedi are, like, holding up into the air. and Yeah, with their Life Day flamethrowers. <laughs> what did you guys get for Life Day flamethrowers? <laughs> Sorry, that was translated from Shuri, because they actually said... <laughs> so everybody wants a flamethrower for Life Day. You'll, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> I, I don't know. It took me four pages to realize that the one Jedi was an older Asian woman. Because at first I was like, oh, that seems like a cool kid. And yes. then it's like, scroll, and you're like, hey, it's still a cool kid. Still a cool... Wait. That's a woman? Uh, John, an Asian I'm, woman? I'm sorry. I don't need to sound, like, woke here, but are you saying older Asian women can't be cool kids? She likes to kid- skateboard. Skateboard. <laughs> no, but like that first page, I was like, no, I, I would I was not like, have assumed oh, that a- that was like the Jedi Master and like uh, Bariaga. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's a Wookiee name. Apologies. Uh, mm-hmm. Was the Padawan? Like, yeah, and I was like, Padawan. He must be just messing with that dude. What a cool kid. <laughs> He likes to skateboard. <laughs> oh, word. I would never poop my pants. Uh, Paul, this is your book. Your thoughts on... I Just like the one scene where it's like, there are too many of them. We need help. But at the same time, it looks like she threw a melon to the Wookiee. And he cuts it and is like... Brrr. And it's just like, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> You're reading about this the books. Dragar. And then it's like, then all the guys come with their flamethrowers and they go, Rrr. and she's like, now that's what I like to see. Rrr. Good idea, Padwan. Get ready. And then they lift all the stuff up. And I'm like, seriously, what the fuck <laughs> am I reading? You're and then it's just like then they then they do the dramatic reading, not the one I just did for you then, the one I read before, and then it's like we sure did get all those things. <laughs> and it's like, let's eat. You're reading a life day story. Have you seen then, the life day special? <laughs> and then he goes, touches the tree, and then the tree's got like two wiggly fingers trying to touch. And yeah, because it's, it's growing again. Is it? Because it looks like it's just going at each other. It sucks. (laughs) Let's talk about the next part of the framing that I was like, I was like, oh, it's going to go back to that story. And then I get like another bullshit story from uh, fucking Star Wars here. (laughs) What? This is a classic story about uh, Chewbacca finding more people, uh, more more Chewbacca's. More Wookiees enslaved. And the worst drawn Han Solo. Uh, have you seen... My reader keeps on crashing, so... Uh, mine mine was as well. I think Comixology might be having some issues. because It I was just keeps to, like, on saying, oops, I'm, I'm doing just fine on my phone, boys. I'm looking um, at all this shitty art. Oh, yeah, the thing it, that it, got me possible. about this one is Trandoshans and Wookiees just don't get along. So the fact that they're like having like a conversation and a little bit of a spat, like you do get some of like the I I don't want to say like conflict towards the end of the story, but 
I'm just weirded out by like Hansel being like, oh, this shit's corrosive. I'm just going to throw things everywhere. What and then up? there's like a little mini like sarlacc that they're like throwing stuff into. It also explodes. The one thing it explodes and it looks like he's caught in it. Like. Yeah. Oh, I just. I just got an oops. <laughs> Stay on page. Stay on target. He, he, um, he gets out of it, but his, I guess, suit got a little bit messed up. <laughs> I do like that they're trying to tell Han and Chewie stories throughout the different like generations or time periods of Star Wars. And I was like, okay, that's kind of like a fun idea, you know, span the continuity in one book, show what life day is. But again, at no point does it show what life day is. It's just Wookiees holding orbs and then wearing red robes. And then they're like, life day. Where did they get those robes? They were and slaves, they, or no. Aside from them wearing, like, shoulder pads and satchels, they don't show themselves to wear clothes very often. And all of a sudden, you turn the page and they're in these red robes? Paul, I'm sorry, we're shitting on your book. Uh, this, this this story was horseshit, too. It's um, I, I will say, the, like, Age of Rebellion one, where it's, like, 3PO... Well, yeah, kind of like undercutting the um, Imperial like Science Brigade officer or like whatever uh, he is. I did like this one, but also because it's just like a dumb story about C-3PO and R2-D2 with some like kids that are singing a song and then Chewbacca like beats a dude up. Like. <laughs> <laughs> this was the... This was my favorite one out of it. I have nothing. I have nothing to complain about this one. No, no. Also, also, it's the best looking book. Um, it's the- everybody's very, as Paul said, like on model. Like you can tell, like who everybody is. Like you can tell exactly when it's taking place. Um, I I like this one, and I this feels like a good anthology book story. Like this is what you come to an anthology book for. Because, again, C-3PO and R2-D2 doing dumb shit, and uh, Chewbacca beats like, a dude up. The over, like, the yeah. shadow, the shadow picture, where it's just, like, the guy in, like, almost silhouette with the glowing yellow eyes and these big monstrous hands, and then you turn, and it's like, oh, yeah, Chewbacca just threw that guy through a wall. And then Luke just comes up with his laser, his laser gun, like, pew, 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 got you. Is he playing laser tag? Was he like shooting the guy on the ground? Like points, points, points. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just shoves him back down to the ground. No, you stay there. And he just keeps on shooting him while he's on the ground. And then like the yeah. dudes the dudes best are saying, return to base. Return to base. That that's a laser tag joke. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if anyone anyone else got that. Um Yeah, that that one's the best. And then we go back into the framing sequence with What's actually happening at Oga's Cantina. Uh, and I like how Han's written here. Like, I like his, you know, uh, captioned voiceover. Um, I love the O. Henry moment. For, like, yeah. rounds for everybody. Oga doesn't need to know I don't have the money for it. <laughs> the, this, like, I like that. That feels like a Han Solo I don't, thing. I don't want to 
Because, I mean, the question we're going to have to ask and have to answer is, does this feel like a Star Wars? But my first question to lead into that is, does this feel like a life day, Paul? (laughs) It does feel like a life day. What is life day? (laughs) Have you not seen the... the, the, It's a mishmash uh, of small stories to fill up two hours of time. Where are the holographic clowns and jugglers... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, contortionist here, Paul. I don't Where, see any. Where's Uncle Stinky? He's not here. There's not 20 the weird... minutes of unintelligible Wookiees like, just like yelling at each other for the first bit. Like About a kid that wants to play in his board but has to do chores. <laughs> <laughs> and then Uncle Stinky. You're welcome, everybody. I just reenacted the first 20 oh. minutes. <laughs> Just watch where, it, please. Where's the kid uh, that... you've, you've also done half this book. <laughs> uh, didn't have a flamethrower, though. I apologize. Yeah, you need a flamethrower. And you need to have, like, an ID pass and then a weird cooking segment and a weird segment where the kid is yeah. trying to watch how to put together his translator thing. Uh, a weird segment where B. Arthur is getting, like, hit on by a creepy dude at the bar she works at. Yep. And then she sings a song. And then she has to pour water into someone's head? What the... Yeah, the guy that's hitting on her. Yeah, it is that same dude, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same Sorry, I, I watched it a while ago, and... I watched it I right swear, before Christmas this year. <laughs> guys, again, <laughs> it's free to watch on YouTube. If you haven't yet, watch it. It watches like didn't a they, fever dream, though. Didn't they put some of the segments they up on the, Disney Plus? The animated segment with yeah, they the, have the Boba uh, introduction one. to Boba Fett. I downloaded that Vampire the Slayer book. Um, you would probably get more out of it than Paul would because you have like a little bit more like familiarity with like the characters and like some of the story. Um, I literally had a thought when I was reading, I was like, Paul's not going to know who any of these people are. Like it's because it's very much like the last Ronin, but for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it's mm. like. If you could jump into Last Ronin and you don't know who April O'Neil is, like, does that story have that same weight? And no, it's it's not going to. So I know who Spike is, Angel okay. is, Buffy, Willow, and I know Willow for a couple episodes becomes super evil <clears throat> because her girlfriend Tara dies. Yes, that's actually like I'm surprised. Like that's a good amount of. Uh, Kate keeps on Buffy watching Lord. it over and over again, and like while while I'm getting ready, you know, like she watches it while on the treadmill, and I'll be getting ready for work, and she'll bring she'll keep on watching it, you know, on her phone while I'm still in the bathroom getting ready, and she'll just keep it playing. Well, then she's in the bathroom also getting ready, you know, as I'm getting out of the shower, she's getting ready to go in the shower, and I'm finishing up, you know, doing all the stuff you do after you get out of the shower. So I've, so I've seen, I've been watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer in three minute intervals, okay. uh, spread um, at, with spread episodes. Do you so. think she would be interested in checking it out if like you sold it like, oh, hey, this story takes place like 50 years after the Buffy you're watching? Like, I think she enjoys Buffy the way she enjoys it because she watches it while getting ready for work and on the treadmill. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, so if she was going to sit down and actually focus on it, like, probably not as much. 
she sat down and focused on it and just was like, wait, this is about vampires? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so because there's a lot of the seasons that don't seem to do like anything about vampires. <laughs> I mean, they're all, they're always kind of there in the background. But do you know the character Anya? She's uh yeah she she was going to get married to Xander okay, but he leaves her at the altar, and so she goes back to her uh, like at the bronze selling like thing like ant vengeance potions to. Scorned women. Okay. So, actually, Paul, you probably could have read this one. I'm sorry. Okay. Is there? So, yeah, maybe maybe check it out, you know, on your own. Because mm-hmm. um, as a Buffy fan, I actually, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. If we had included it in the books, it probably would have been my favorite book of the month. And Dawn is somehow Buffy's sister. I still don't know how. Magic. Ma- it literary magic, like she's, uh, she was created a myst- by a mystic mis- key that uh, they made into human form to keep her like hidden away from like a demon. Yeah, that Lord. wanted access. Yeah, yeah. See, okay, Paul, those three minutes. See, I know. I think you're getting the three minutes of actual plot in each episode, so <laughs> yeah. that's good. <laughs> you seem to you seem to have a pretty yeah. good. Uh... You got a good grip. How it all ties together, still don't know. Uh, Ma- magic. Magic. <laughs> I do like... And my book is actually going to be Batgirls oh, number one. And this Chris, is, can I just interrupt you for no, one second? No, you can't, but uh, thank you for asking first. I I opened another beer, and uh, I wouldn't mind talking about it. Did anyone else open a beer? I, I did, because I knew you opened yeah. another beer, so... <laughs> Uh, I'm drinking from Big Ditch Brewing, their Galaxy Red Red IPA. And this is a red IPA brewed with Galaxy Hops. Uh, It says super juicy, and it is. Uh, They added loads of uh, Galaxy Hops late in the kettle. And uh, you get pineapple, mango, and papaya with a nice, rich maltiness to it. Uh, this beer is delicious. It's probably one of my favorite things I've had from Big Ditch in a long time. Uh, it's great. Nice. Um, I haven't had a red IPA in forever. I would, I would actually have to like pull it up on untap to see when the last time I had one was. Um, it's a good style of beer. Same with like a white IPA. People just don't brew them anymore, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at New Belgium, you have a white IPA with their accumulation, um, which is pretty decent. It's not like the best white IPA, but it's a solid drinking beer. But yeah, there's no one else that does one on a regular basis. Well, luckily, a lot of breweries make hazy IPAs on a regular basis. And uh, my surprise beer is actually coming from one of my favorite breweries from when I lived in Grand Rapids. Uh their Dragon's Milk is one of my all-time favorite beers, like top tier. And this is New Holland, and this is their Hazy River, and this is a New England-style IPA. Uh, I saw this on the shelf at my beer store, and I was instantly excited that I was able to get something new and different from New Holland because my beer store will sell Dragon's Milk. They have the white stout version of Dragon's Milk. I'll get some of the uh, flavored 
like variations of dragon's milk. But this is actually the first time that I saw something that was non dragon's milk related. And I was like, I have to grab this. Like I could have everything from new Holland. I had been to the brewery multiple times. We got to go to the brewery on beercation. Um, I don't like to make giant assumptions, but I think we all really enjoyed that visit there. And not just because of the, the appetizers that they had, like the little pepperoni pinwheels, because those were delicious. I got a no, salad. <laughs> I, I wish I had gotten a salad because I was like, boy, I, we've eaten a lot of cheeseburgers and pizza <laughs> and things. Um, no, I had a I had a great time there. The the beers were amazing, um, and I mean like the, the the experiences we had at Founders were were great as well. But it was just a really cool place. It was one of those places we waited around forty five minutes for a table. And we just stood around talking and drinking, and it was pretty great. And I think that's when I might have told you guys that I was planning on proposing to Caitlin. Like, <laughs> it was all in that kind of time frame. And, um, no, it was, it was a great, uh, a great, a great time. Great beer. Oh, the barrel, the barrel aged beers that they had there that wasn't, uh, Dragon's Milk were phenomenal. I, I remember I had like a barrel-aged barley wine that I was just like, I'm in love with this beer. New Holland is absolutely fantastic. And it was a little bit of a drive from Grand Rapids at that time, but they have since opened like a satellite brew pub in downtown Grand Rapids. That's like maybe eight minutes away from where Founders is. So like... It, I don't know if it still holds the title of Beer City USA, but man, like it's in my heart, it's always going to be Beer City USA. Uh, but not talking about that. We're talking about Hazy River, their uh, New England IPA. And everything that you like about Founders All Day IPA, this has that. But as a non like session IPA, it's a little bit higher ABV. I'm trying to find it on the can, uh, 5.9%. So it's got a little bit more of like a big flavor pop and a little bit more of like a flavor linger to it. But if you open this can, poured it into a glass and said like, oh, hey, this is an updated version of Founders All Day IPA, I'd be like, yep, still great. Still one of my favorite IPAs. Um, I don't know if this is something that they're going to continuously have available or if it's just something that they have out for now. Um I picked up a six-pack of cans. I think I still have two left in the pack after this because it's a little bit higher than a session, but it's still just very drinkable, very crushable. Um, we were going to be doing some bigger beers today before we kind of cut that and didn't. I feel like after I finish this, I could probably go grab another one just for like the wrap-up or me watching videos or playing games or something and still be fine for the rest of the night. How would it yeah. taste out on the this golf course? Oh, beautiful, Paul. <laughs> okay. Um, Founders has it's, all day. Paul, if you like, I, if you like all day IPA, like this is a little bit bigger, fuller version of that. Uh, Founders has all day haze, which is a hazy version of all day IPA. Uh, you shared that to the group, and I haven't seen it yet, but I. We'll most definitely be grabbing that as soon as I see it on a shelf. 
It's a juicy version of All Day. It's delicious. That sounds um, ooh, really if I can, good. If I can find it soon, I can still I can have that alongside this, and I can do <laughs> Battle of the Titans. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was like I took that first initial sip, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is okay." It's feels a little thin for being like a hazy version. It mm. looks hazy. It, it's it's nice, but did it smell hazy? Do I do I want more out of it? And then I'm just like sitting, and I think I had it with my dinner, and I'm sitting there, and I'm eating, and I'm taking like some sips off of it, and I'm like, "This is just a." This is every sip. I was like, "Oh, this is better than I thought. This is better than I thought." And at the end, I was just like, "Man, it's, it's just a supercharged, hazy version of all day. Like it's exactly what it should be." And I totally understand. I totally understand this beer now. Like it's really good. And again, it's a nice hazy beer for like four four percent. Nice. Yeah. Definitely. Nice. I Man, can't three beers. Shoot. Three beers that I definitely need to be on the lookout for. Big Ditch, Galaxy Red, uh, New yeah. Holland, New Holland, Little Hazy, Hazy, Hazy River, Hazy River, and uh, Little Hate or All Day Haze from Founders. Founders. And you know that's why you come to the show, uh, and you also hopefully come here for our comic book reviews uh, because hitting us up. We're going to be talking about Batgirls number one from DC Comics. Uh, this was written by Becky Cloonan with art by Jorge Corona. And this is continuing the story from Fear State where a hacker known as Seer has actually been able to access all of Orca's files and data and streams. And Barbara Gordon takes Stephanie Brown. Uh, oh my gosh. And Cassandra Kane. Cassandra Kane. I don't know why I just blanked out. It's probably because I'm looking at the first page of this book and it's like information overload. Um, on the run, and they kind of set up shop in like a safe house where they're completely off the grid. Uh, and you, you can't tie the young Batgirls down like that. So, you know, they got to act out. They got to do their own thing. They see muggings happening and they got to put a stop to it. So this is Steph and Cassandra's big night out almost. Um, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite book that I read that was going to be for the look back, but I think of the three that we have, this is my favorite because I'm not the biggest fan of Jorge Corona's art, but there but it is fits the tone of the book. It fits the tone of the book because there's a lot of like weird, gritty fun to this title. And I'm glad this book exists. Um, I don't think it... Oops, there was an error. <laughs> um, yeah. Does this look as good as some of the other Bat books that we're getting, like uh, Robin or Robin and Batman? No, but I'm I'm invested in this story right now. Uh, I like it. It's my favorite book out of everything that I read for this. And no, oh, I had fun with it. It feels a little bit clunky, like they're trying too hard to be like fun with these characters, and they're trying to force what a lot of times comes natural to these characters. But 
I had good time with it. I enjoyed it. Like I was halfway through, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be my favorite book of the the month." Um, but yeah, I had a I had a good time with it. I want to keep going with it. I think the way that the two characters of um, uh, uh, Brown and um, Kane, I really like this version of them together. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun and um, yeah I I really enjoyed it I like too the design of uh, Cassandra Kane's Batgirl costume where like her cape is split and looks like bat wings mm. I think it looks I think it looks cool I didn't even catch it that it was split uh, yeah yeah I have to say like when I first started reading this I'm like wow they're making uh, Stephanie Brown really effervescent, like really light, and like, hey, I'm the fun-loving one. Like, hey, let's everybody get along. Let's do every. Like, I'm like, I don't know if that's the Stephanie Brown. It's that I I'm used to, you know, from the Marcus Toe run. The uh, I I forget the writer. <laughs> um. Uh, oh my gosh, I know. I was gonna say Brian Wood, but I don't think it was. Uh, I, I, I can look it up. Um, I think it's kind of turned up a little bit just so they can have that dichotomy between Steph yeah. and Cass. Because I... And then even Cass was talking a little bit much, a little bit more than I was expecting. And I'm like, all right. She talks a little bit more, but she's not monosyllabic like she was mm-hmm. in previous appearances. Like, this cast now has been around for a little bit more in... Mm-hmm. In the continuity, in the family, too. And I think you're starting to kind of see her branch out and, like, really get her feet underneath her where she doesn't feel, like, unconfident about, like, speaking. Because that's kind of the cast that we had because in the original or regular continuity, whatever you want to call it, she had never been taught how to speak. Like, her her language was the fist, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it was very much... She doesn't speak, so she's going to say, like, a couple words here and there. This cast is a little bit more conversational. Mm-hmm. And if you think back, like, the versions of these characters that we really loved reading are 14 years ago in comic books. Yeah. And uh, when um, Cassandra Brown came back and had her Batgirl book... Again, she was a little more stoic and maybe not as fun, but I think this is a version of those characters that people can get behind and continue to read, and these characters will be around for a little bit longer. Sorry, it was uh, Brian Q. Miller, not Brian Wood. Uh, I should have known that because it it wasn't a Viking book. And I think you were thinking that because Becky Cloonan... Contribute uh, worked with Brian Wood uh, in on demo. Yeah, okay, Becky Cloonan yeah. is now writing here, so maybe that's what cross wired. Uh, and Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. yeah, and Conan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I was going to say. Okay, now we have Babs being like the leader, kind of motherly figure to these other three and uh, the other two, and you got the you know uh, Cassandra Kane who's known for mixing it up and being a fighter. He had the effervescent 
bubbly blonde, and then you have the redheaded, you know, leader, the person in charge, and I, this character dynamic I've seen before with the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, okay. Blossom, Buttercup, and uh, Bubbles. Uh, and I'm like, is this is this I a trope? That. Is it is it the trope to have? I, I've never read or uh, watched Totally Spies, but uh, is yeah, the, I've never seen it either. But redheaded one always the leader. Is the blonde one always effervescent? And is the <laughs> brunette one always the tough one? It, it could this, be possible, but I will is say this tropey. I didn't talk about Babs too much because while this book is called Batgirls, mm-hmm. it definitely does focus more on Stephanie and Cassandra, but I do like that kind of den mother take on, yeah. on Barbara because it works in the framing of this book. Like, yeah, she's watching out for these two heroes that are thought dead in the fear state. And mm-hmm. like, we, we know that they survived and it's kind of like the surprise at the end of the book. It's like, ha ha, they're alive. They're on your satellite seer. Like they, they got your secrets. Um, hence them being on there now. I like all of these takes on these characters. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to number two and I'm not the biggest fan of the art, but again, it fits the story. It reminds me a lot of that, uh, black canary book that we had maybe like two years ago. Um, it's that kind of just like, gritty, gringy, fun, like, punk rock artwork. And I think that works great for a book written by Becky Clunan because this is in her wheelhouse. Like, this is her style, this is her story, and I think it's good that she's kind of ushering it into the the Bat-Fam mainstream. I have to say, with the artwork being so, like, lively and energetic and over-the-top, it really helped it. Because think about this story... <laughs> Yeah. It's about three girls moving into a new apartment. Yeah. If you had, like, realistic artwork, you know, a more realistic or realism take on it, this could have looked so dull and boring and just, like, blocks and blocks of weird balloons. Like, luckily, those weird balloons, there were still blocks and blocks of weird balloons. But it wasn't in a nine panel grid. It was. You know, an explosive like fourteen explosive panel pages. grid. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot going on in these pages, and but they wasn't even graded, which is yeah. helped it so much because I was afraid that, like, when I opened up this book yesterday, I was like, "Ooh, is this going to take a while?" And it moved mostly because of the art. And I was kind of afraid of reading this one because last month for the look back when we oh, talked about all the Robin, don't books, talk about it. Well, no, we talked about a lot of Robin books, and some of these characters were featured in Robin's number one. But in the back of every single book that we read, they had a preview for Batgirl's number one. And they gave you like 10 pages in that preview. So I'm like, I just spent $3.99 to download this book that I've already read almost half of. How fresh, how exciting can it be? And I was kind of surprised to find out that the pages that I read in those preview pages are actually kind of in, like, the middle to back end of the book. So there's a lot of setup that I didn't even get to see. And that's really what 
sold me on this book. It was watching those characters kind of, like I said, move into their new apartment. Like they're they're setting up the new stomping grounds, and I I really liked it. Uh, and that's going to take me to my book, and this is Swamp Thing Green Hell, number one, written by Jeff Lemire and art by Doug Mankey. And this, I didn't realize when I bought this book that this is a post-apocalyptic book. The polar ice caps have melted. Man is living on either uh, oil rigs that are floating on small little islands. And they're trying to survive. And like many of those post-apocalyptic stories, you have a group that are trying to remain human and in a right world where they're not just going to kill people. And a group that is saying, we will kill you. You need to give us your stuff. We're going to take it. And at the same time, you have the green, the red, and the black who are all that are working together to humanity in a sense of they want the world again for themselves. They need more bodies. They need more rot. They need more blood. And this book seemed kind of blah in the beginning for me. But by the end of it, I was like, ah, it kind of has a little bit of a hook. And is that hook old John Constantine with a still and then brings uh, Alec Holland back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Chris uh, Chris and Paul were both saying, yes, like that's the hook for this book. And when they kept saying, like, oh, the old man that lives in the, the lighthouse. And I was like, man, I wonder who could it be? And I was thinking, like, Jason Blood. I even thought... Uh, like an old Bruce Wayne. And then I was like, when they, when it was constantly, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, I'm so stupid. Why didn't I think him? But it worked. And it was like the hook this book needed. Do I want to buy issue two? I'm on the fence. So if I hear some good things, would I pick up the trade of this? Maybe. More likely I'd pick up the trade to read it all than wait six months, five months for all the books. So I did not care about the story where it's telling the tale of like this community of people. And then to seal a lostism, like the others who live outside that are like, Hey man, world's changed. You got to get with it or, or die. I didn't care about this. And then when they like lay siege to the oil, uh, refining platform where the others live, and the dude dies who becomes the avatar of the green did not care about it at all. And I think it does bear to note that this is a black label book. So it's definitely a little bit more hard edge, like swamp things like shooting tendrils through people's faces. They're saying, they're saying swear it's, words. It's a, it's a, it's a horror. It's a little it's bit a horror. more horror. And I didn't care about this until like the old man in the town takes like the main character's daughter it's like, oh, are we going north like Daddy said? And he's like, no, we're going to the lighthouse. And she's like, yeah, he's never like said never go to the lighthouse. Who's on the lighthouse? And when the old man's like, there's a man. He's a bad man. I'm like, 
oh shit, it's John Constantine. And then like <laughs> the next page sold it. I'm like, okay. And literally at the very end, that's where this book caught me. And then you have Constantine bringing back Alec Han. He's like, yeah, mate, vacation's over. We need you back. You got to fight the green. It was literally that like last three or four pages. I don't know how many it was, but that was what caught me on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Doug Mankey art. I think he worked well on something like Green Lantern because it was a lot of aliens and weird otherworldly stuff. So I think having him on a horror book like Swamp Thing works well. But when he's just trying to draw people and humans and their children, there's always something slightly off. Not just on the proportions, but like, it's just, you're looking at them and like, oh, I I do not trust you, little girl on a boat fishing up golf clubs. Like, so I think he works best in that horror vein. And I don't necessarily want a horror Swamp Thing book. But again, bringing in Constantine and Alec Holland at the back end of it, like it caught my attention. Like I wouldn't pick up number two, but John, if you bought book two, like I would want to see where this goes. Uh, the okay. last seven pages. Out of how many? I have to say, while John looks that up, I have to say Doug forty eight Doug Mackey's art on the quote-unquote humans so much better than his work on the humans in Green Lantern Corps or Green Lantern books. I think he has taken a big step forward. Is it the best? No. Is it the best for this book? Yeah. Like, I would never have told known that was John old man John Constantine, though. Yeah, unless he had unless been told they it. Said, yeah. Uh, the the big brown Trent, the guy just sitting just in smoking. the Constantine outfit. Yeah. Uh, there's so much, like, great little details. Like, it's just filled of, like, empty bottles. Next to him, when you first see it's Constantine, there's just a pile mm-hmm. of cigarette butts that are overspilling. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's... The, the there's no... He's got his own little distillery There is definitely there. no... Not enough land to grow tobacco. Yet he somehow magics his way to having all these cigarettes that aren't stale and dried out and wouldn't be able to burn anymore. Um, I, I he wouldn't care. I don't exactly I don't think he like cares he, about that. Whatever, he's just gonna do it because he's got to do it. Um, yeah, but if they get too dry, they wouldn't burn the. Right, they would just. They wouldn't smoke. They would just. You know, like lighting paper. It, it's it's yeah. John Constantine. He's, He's got, got his base. But yeah. also, I, I'm not a smoker at all. But I feel like at that point too, it's just the going through the motions of it is probably mm-hmm. something to say yeah. that that need that want that addiction. <laughs> I do like in this book the talking of the three parliaments, the parliament of nature, because that's how they've always, like, at least for me, have been written, where they're just, like, awful. <laughs> Go ahead. Because uh, that's the thing, like, I recognize this from reading those new 52 things, where Jeff Lemire was writing Swamp Thing and Animal Man, where you had the red mm. 
and the green and the rot was coming into it. So I picked up on those, but I was never a big fan of those books. So I only read whatever you guys had brought to the table for something like the look back, or if you had talked about it for something like the list, because those books just didn't catch me. I liked I Vampire, which I think was also written. Scott's, it was Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder on Animal Man and okay. Swamp Thing. Scott Snyder on Swamp Thing, uh, Jeff Lemire on Animal Man. I don't know I why I'm like. Remember the writer of uh, I Have Vampire. I don't know why I'm lumping that in, but it could be because it was like those weird horror books that Paul liked that normally I don't think he would have ever liked. So maybe that's why I'm thinking of that too. Um, so- Animal Man was definitely more of a family drama in a horror book. And vamp- I Vampire was just about sexy vampires. So what's the one about that? But I, I, I didn't have that hook going into it. So when I was watching those interactions between the parliaments, I it didn't catch me. And at that point, I felt like too inside baseball where I was like, I, I don't get this. I don't know. I'm watching like the human drama, but I don't care about any of these people because we just started watching. Well, Yanni watched it before, but I'm just watching it for the first time. Um, Shit's Creek. And the main dude with the beard, every time I saw him, I'm like, he looks like Mutt. Like the the mayor's kid who lives in a barn, if you've watched oh. uh, mm-hmm. Shit's Creek at all. It was like, every time I saw him, I was like, it's fucking Mutt Roland's uh, son. Um, I don't know. I was just filling time while I was talking about things. I Vampire is written by uh, J.M. Okay. DeMantis. <clears throat> or by Andrea Sorrentino. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. I think. So, uh, power rankings, guys. Um, For me, I would probably say Batgirl's number one <laughs> as my number one. And then Swamp Thing Green Hell number one because it really caught me in that last like quarter of the book where I do kind of want to see more uh, where this goes because it does bring in the swamp thing that I know and have some affinity for. I, I didn't care about this weird monstrous swamp thing, like killing people. Like, and I thought that was going to be the hook for this book. And I was like, no, thank you. Uh, and then finally star Wars life day special number one. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like it didn't encapsulate the life day spirit properly it was this was more about the commercialization of life day which (laughs) i think uh (laughs) i think we all know is a terrible thing for the amount that i spent on that which i don't remember but it was more than too much yeah it's too much because it definitely feels more like a hey read more about uh the padawan barriaga I, I, I feel uh, bad again. I said this before. It, I don't remember their names. Whatever. The cool kid. He likes to skate more. The, the, <laughs> the Wookiee uh, Padawan uh, in the High Republic books and the High Republic comic books. Learn more about Ogos Cantina by visiting the parks and going here. <laughs> like It feels like one of those first... You know, how Vertigo used to do, do like the you know, first bite, which was like yeah. Released like near Free Comic Book Day or on Free Comic Book Day, and it was like the, and it was like the first couple pages of yeah. all their books. Of a it bunch it of feels books. like that more than anything else. So I agree with Chris's power ranking 
John, what is your power ranking? I I agree completely with both of your picks. Uh, or your orders? Your setup here. Your, yeah. Um, I, I like thumbing through Chris's Buffy. That Buffy book Buffy, looks pretty good. Everything that we like about Last Ronin from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is there in that Buffy book. Um, I'm kind of sad I pulled it from our look back list because I, I think we could, I think we could have talked about it knowing now what I know because I didn't think Paul would have like that frame of reference for it. I think you've also forgotten that you've made us read Buffy number ones for the last like next week. Angel number one's coming out. And I thought about it. I'm like, I can't do that to those guys again because I just love that franchise and those characters. But I think a lot of those books suffer if you don't have that knowledge and love because we're coming up to like the 25th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because there is a special coming out. And I thought about like, oh, I can make everyone read this. And then I was like, no, Chris, no, don't. Um, I, I, I feel like if you didn't grow up with it, yeah, you can read books about it and like kind of like go based off of that. But if you don't have that nostalgia for it, are you getting that like full picture? It's kind of why I can't read like uh, G.I. Joe stuff now. I never really got into G.I. Joe as a kid. So reading it or watching the movies or anything now, I'm like, okay, like I recognize these characters, but I don't have that, that heart for it. Uh, and like, uh, Fright Night, I think was better than the Star Wars Life Day, but it also like half the book was telling you what happened in the movie, and I was like, nobody needs to sit through this. But like at the end of the recap, it has the fearless vampire hunter going like, and that's my book. Like he told it as a, he wrote it as a book and now he's on a book tour about it and vampires are coming around. But as someone who loves Fright Night and Fright Night mm-hmm. 2, the original Fright Night and Fright Night 2, like it just wasn't. There was a sequel? Yeah. Is it, is it good? Uh, I'm... So I'm it's, going through Fright Night now, and I feel like I've already had three different art styles within the first, like, four or five pages. Yep. yep. I, and I think it's all done by the same artist, too. <laughs> it It's not a great book. Is that supposed to be uh, The Neighbor? <clears throat> In the gr- okay. Evil Ed? Yeah, Jerry. No, Jerry, uh, Jerry Dandridge. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not... It wasn't great, but I enjoyed reading it more than I enjoyed reading the Star Wars book. I'm sorry about that, John. That's okay. It, I thought I was going to go into that book going like, oh, this will be a yeah, fun I thought book. It was, and the whole, be too. the whole time I was like, this book <laughs> It was just, I, I felt so marketed to during the whole reading of it. And I'm somebody that reads Star Wars The High Republic. Like, I, so I watch YouTube videos about going to Batu. Like, I want to 
dress up to go to Batu. Like, this should be for I'm me, just, yet somehow it's still not. But I'm just glad that you didn't go, Paul, like, this was my number one. Because <laughs> you do that all the time where you're like, you sit there and l- listen to Chris and I go off on how bad it is. And you're like, well, my number one's the book you guys hated. <laughs> A lot of times I wasn't going to put this on my list, except Chris convinced me to do it when I talked to him about it. So it's Chris's fault. What did I say because to I convince was, you of this? Because I don't remember that conversation at all. Well, I was talking to you about it, and you're like, "Oh, Paul, I'm picking a bunch of Star Wars books for the next month." Because I was trying to figure out how I felt about it. Because I'm like, I was trying to get past the whole marketing thing of it, and like trying and trying to understand if I actually liked the book and couldn't just couldn't get past the stuff, like. The stuff because I did enjoy the two stories of, uh, you know, Chewie flame, freeing the, um, the Wookiee slaves. I, I still don't believe that Trandosians would take slaves. They're more of a people that love enjoy the hunt, the great hunt. Mm. So I don't think they would take slaves. They would just send them loose and then go hunting them. But that's I don't know. Maybe maybe it's something changed in Trandosian uh, society. No, there's no money in uh, that, and then. And also the uh, Age of the, Re- the Republic, or Age of Rebellion, with, yeah, R2-D2 and C-3PO going up on hijinks. It was very Star Wars droids to me, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to, I used to watch that cartoon. <laughs> um, don't let the comics taint you on actually going to Galaxy's Edge and Black Spire Outpost on that, too, because... I don't think the comic books are telling stories. It's I think you hit the nail on the head when you're like, no, people complain about not knowing about Batu. Let's tell them about Batu. Like, and they're kind of doubling down on like, eh, see, see, it's a planet. Things happen. Han Solo has been there, guys. Um, Quite a few times. I, I think that's what it is. And I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm not like too nebbish enough like you can tell me like it's a star wars planet and i'm like okay like every movie every comic every book like we go to like six different planets you haven't seen before anyways i'm fine with going somewhere new or different like yeah but one third of those planets get blown up every time we go to those in the yeah, movies you never at know least one third that too could be next one third of them it's taking place in the past the future the present it's nebulous um yep. i don't i don't know Someone wrap this up. Guys, uh, if you read books in December and think we missed something, let us know. We'd love to go back. Guys, do you ever ask your mom if you've got any string cheese? (laughs) If so, Fright Night might be the book for you.